Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Um, I think the eventual target you want to hit is at least uh, two hours in the morning of, of like most important maker important work mm -hmm. um and then another two hours in the afternoon that's only four hours any everybody i know that does four hours on like whatever's most important every single day is very successful mm -hmm. and you replay weekly and sometimes you're wrong and you go down a rabbit hole and doesn't work or whatever and that's that's fine that's part sure. of the game but you know if as long as you do 10 minutes you've got a placeholder in your life and things right. keep moving forward and you keep looking at it it's when you take two weeks off suddenly things are getting dusty. You're going to have to reorient to the problem space. You don't remember what you're going to do. If you reached out to some people, hey, you're kind of sort of interested in this, and you take two weeks to reply to them, they're not interested anymore. You know, you do 10 minutes, okay, what's most important? Man, I really should reply to that guy in this space. I wrote to him. He's very gracious to write back. I should reply. It's been two days, uh -huh. right? Uh, you put in your 10 minutes. I really think, I, I, I actually don't think it's possible for a person, um, you know, in a modern, you know, Western country that's like doing reasonably okay right like to put in 10 minutes a day on what's most important and repick what's most important and stick with that not like working hard but like most important uh, that will grow like if you just reliably do 10 minutes you'll you'll do more than 10 minutes really quickly and once you get up to a couple hours or more uh -huh. like you do that you're going to be pretty successful you're going to at least be more successful every single year than the year you were before if you're picking at all correctly what's most important which you can learn and improve at that too uh, and then putting the time in and, and people just get busy and don't do what's important. And then they just don't get what they want. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500 episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Sebastian, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Once more into the breach, dear friends, we're back. It's, we're doing it. It's exciting. <laughs> well, you know, what prompted this conversation is the fact that, you know, we had you as a guest when we were called Blogcast FM, and somehow the conversation that I had with you kept resurfacing uh, on Twitter over the years. So I thought, you know, it, it only made sense to bring you back for a second round and subject you to my crazy questions. So on that note, um, I want to start by asking you, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a little kid? And how did that end up impacting the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Yeah, I want to be a scientist, actually. Um, and I always just thought science was was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, you start to learn actually what science is. You know, when you're a, a little kid, you think, I don't know, you like you, I, I watch the Looney Tunes with Bugs Bunny and like the idea of science and they're like mixing stuff in test tubes. And it's very theatrical, right? But I always thought that was super cool. I always thought NASA was super cool. And, uh, you know, similar to you, and I remember you saying in one of your shows that you said something along the lines of like, I'm a failed byproduct of the education systems. Like there wasn't anything <laughs> for me to do. So I went and did entrepreneurship. No, I, I really feel the same way. Uh-huh. I really feel the same way because, you know, I looked at uh, both science and I looked at law. Um, and, you know, both of them, you, you just really needed to do, uh, you know, with law, you're talking seven years before you're getting the JD. Uh, and then can start to do associate work. And then you're doing interesting stuff in law in like, what, 12 years, 15 years, right? Yeah. Um, typically, or at least that's, that's, that's what it was like when I, when I was coming up. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little better now. Um, and, and same with science, where it was like the amount of time you would spend, you know, when I actually just really looked into it, the amount of time you would spend, um, you know, especially if you go to graduate school and you're like, you know, being a research assistant and TA in classes, like you can't just like jump in and do science. And then we have the internet where you could just do whatever you want. And, you know, you could, you know, everything's changing so fast that I'm like, this is cool. I want to do stuff. And I was, yeah, you call me, you know, you can put me in a failed byproduct of the education system club um, if we have one of those. Um, Because, you know, I was just like, "Ah, I just, I can't wait around. I can't, I can't, I'm not into this. I want to go out and do some stuff and and build some stuff and make some stuff happen. But I, I think I did bring that, that scientist love of the world and wanting to understand the world and like, Richard Feynman is still like a huge, huge, huge hero of mine. And, and you know, you, you learn about how people like, you know, Einstein went about and he's looking at the clocks and, and, and that kind of thing is, is, is really still really neat to me and really moves me. And I do try to bring that like love of truth and experimentation and taking notes and kind of figuring out how all the gears and the clocks move. That's still a big part of, 
you know, what I try to do really every single week. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get into, into detail about all of that. Um, I, I'm curious, I, I'd like to hear a bit more detail about your actual formal education, just because I'm curious kind of, you know, um, why you also felt that you're a failed byproduct of that system. And then the other question is, um, I, I think often, you know, you mentioned the fact that there's, you know, 12 years to doing anything interesting in law, all these years before you get to do anything interesting as a scientist. And I, I was just writing about this this morning, because um, I'm reading this book, uh, again, called Not Fade Away, uh, by a guy named Peter Barton. And he talks about living life in a straight line or versus living fully. And often those two things are, you know, not necessarily mutually exclusive, but one can get in the way of the other. And I'm curious what you think it is that causes certain people to be so hell bent on following, you know, the sort of straight line path versus those who actually can endure the uncertainty of, um, you know, a path that isn't necessarily laid out uh, in front of them. Well, that's great. Let's let's jump on the last point and let's have a little dialogue on this. Sure. I, I really want to hear your. What would you want to be when you're growing up? Boy, um, so many different things. It continually changed. So um, when I was four or five, uh, we were in India at one point, and I was staying at one of my mom's uncle's houses, and there was a airport out in front where they trained pilots. And uh, mm. to this day, I still think watching an airplane take off, especially a seven four seven, is like the most majestic. Th creation of man like there's just something beautiful about watching it there's a place in san francisco um right by sfo there's a restaurant called kincaids and right across the street from kincaids is the water and from the water you can watch airplanes take off and it there's just something awesome about it there's this you know you just feel the sense of adventure watching it so when i was five i wanted to be a pilot um, for some time, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but that largely was not really my own doing. I think it was because of the environment I was in. I, I saw a lot of these India doctors mm -hmm. driving Mercedes and living great lot, you know, living in big houses. I thought, okay, yeah, I want that. I was like, I, and I realized I said, I, I didn't want the doctor part. I just wanted the houses and the cars. <laughs> um, sure. But, you know, I, I think by the time I started college, I didn't have any, really any concept of it. Um, I, I think it was very vague. Like, you know, I, I thought I would be a business major. I ended up as an econ major. Uh, I went into sales because it was the only job that had the potential for a really high payday that wasn't investment banking or management consulting. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, like looking back, so, so I can't necessarily say, you know, th and there was a point in high school at which I did want to be a writer, uh, a goal that I gave up on until much later in life. So that you know, hopefully mm. kind of <laughs> answers your question. So were your parents terrified when you became an entrepreneur? Were they like, what the heck are you doing? You're ruining your life. We worked so hard and you seemed like you were on the right track and now you're, what are you doing? We don't understand it. Did you get that or did you not? Um, a lot got, of people no, get that. I, I got a little bit of that. I mean, I got the whole, you know, build your empire on the side and have a real job at the same time. Um, you know, uh, and you know, to the point where you know, I almost did quit, and I, I finally—I think this was like the end of 2014, where my life was basically falling apart. But I told my parents, "Give me another year, and if things haven't turned around by then, I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll go. I'll go look for a real job." And you know, coincidentally, I got the book deal that year, and everything has, has been, you know, I mean, not oh. like you know, smooth sailing, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, I, I don't think that there's there's especially because my sister is a doctor, you know. Okay, all right. So you got a little, you got a little air cover from her. It's like, all right, at least one of our kids will be respectable. Yeah. Like at least one of them will go on and and, <laughs> and do something that makes us proud. So I, I really think, as as crazy as this sounds, because I experienced this from my parents, who are lovely people and and are wonderful people, and they they really wanted the best for me. So like some people are like, no, my parents. It's like, no, they're. I had a little bit of that when I was younger, and they were like, what are you doing? Um, and I was like, no, you don't understand me, mom and dad. No. Uh, you know, but you know, I get it, you know, parents really want the best for their children. And, you know, my, my good friend and I, I eventually, I dropped out of two high schools and then I went to college and I still got a scholarship to college. I figured out a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I was able to get to college and they're like, all right, all right, he's all right. And then I dropped out to like go do stuff and they're like, no, and eventually I went back and finished my undergraduate. I'm a big believer in education and, and it's like not the worst thing in the world for a young person to do if they don't know what else to do. You know, you get around an environment, you get an opportunity to get exposure, different ideas, meet some people. There's, it kind of gives you a way to tell other people what you're doing that makes sense. And this is way before entrepreneurship was cool and the Mark Zuckerberg movie or whatever, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I've seen this, you know, I've seen this, you know, my, my, my close friend, uh, my business partner at Ultra Working, and we've worked on so many charity projects and education. We've done a lot in education and work with a lot of top universities. Uh, Kai Zhao, Kai, uh, you know, Kai was born in northern China, and, and he immigrated, uh, you know, with his parents, and, uh, you know, his dad's a scientist and uh, does really cool, you know, really, like, cutting-edge science, like, like, material science research, like, really cool stuff. And, you know, when he dropped out 
um, of college to get into entrepreneurship and sales actually I did sales. Um, I wound up doing some sales at some point. It's quite common, you know, we're like, what can we do with no skills and a lot of willpower and nothing else? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there's a field that a lot of people burn out in. They're always looking for new people to see if you can handle it for more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, his, his parents freaked out. My parents freaked out. Um, if your parents didn't freak out, then, then, you know, bless, bless them. They're, they're, that's, that's way more than most people can have. And I, I really think, you know, um, when you go off on your own, um, especially in modern culture, you know, we don't, we don't have to go fight wars. We're not like those, those young boys from the cornfields. They were sending to storm the guns in Normandy and roll the Nazis back. You know, we didn't have to go serve in Vietnam. Um, you know, if you enlisted, you could do that, but we haven't had the draft. We haven't had to like hit the wall. It's not like the great depression. My grandmother told me stories about having to go steal tomatoes from a farm to not starve. Right. We didn't have any of that, like grow up fast stuff. So we get like 17, 18, 19, I'm not sure they were totally adults. Now, hey, maturity like maturity is about like having unique life experiences and synthesizing them. So maybe there's some young listeners out here. I'm not hating. I'm, I'm a big believer that the young people can do whatever they want and what they set their mind to. But a lot of people go off to college. They don't know what they want. And they're like, man, this just isn't working for me. And when I envision like, I don't want to be here for four years and then getting a job for four years or whatever. And your folks are like looking at you and you're like, look, just, just stick with it. It works. It's like proven. But that's even becoming less true. So if you're mm -hmm. keeping your head up and you're looking around, you're seeing, hey, you know, I'm seeing people that are in like safe careers getting laid off. You know, I'm seeing people that go to, uh, you know, every major except engineering, computer science, graduate from school and go work at Starbucks. You're like, this, this doesn't look good, man. I got to find something better. This is like, this isn't good. You know, some people look around. They look for what's meaningful for them. They don't see that certainty. I really do think, you know, if you're not fully your own person that's had, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, experiences and synthesize them, you don't know exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. But it's easy enough to look at that and say, I don't want that. And then, but, you know, your family's like, look, just do it. Just trust it. It's fine. We did it. It works. Maybe that's changing a little bit. Ten years ago, uh, you know, this was this was very much the case. And, uh, you know, I, I really think a big reason that people don't do it is because, you know, uh, you know, if you're coming, if you're coming from a middle class family, a working class family, they worked hard to like give you a decent life. It was like a better life than they had your parents. And they're like, just go do this and trust us. And like, you don't, you're not really sure about exactly what you want. You know, like if, if a, if a kid gets a, a scholarship to play athletics at a very high level or gets on the Olympic team, people are like, kind of like, all right, I get that. But if you're like, you know, I don't know what I want, but I kind of think I don't want that. Your parents are like, just do it. Trust us. It worked. And I can see why a lot of people listen. You know, you love your family. You want to like do right by them. Um, sometimes that's a great shame though. I mean, like what you're doing, uh, Srini, where you're reaching so many people, thousands of people and you're, you're changing their lives. You're getting these amazing stories and guidance out of people, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure you would have been a fine, uh, you know, physician or, or pilot, but like, you're doing something like super cool that can grow to like infinity and, and really like nobody else would have done, like at least not the same way for sure. And like, I, I think that is, you know, it's, it's a tough thing when people are trying to decide between like, I don't know exactly what I want. I could step off into the abyss, mm -hmm. which is terrifying, you know, or like people are telling me this is a safe path and I should stick with it that I love and I trust. And like, they're on my side. Yeah. And I get why people like stay on the path. You know, it's interesting because I, I think a lot about sort of social programming and how social programming impacts our choices and how I, I think, you know, one of the common patterns I've seen between people who have really interesting careers is an ability to overcome um, their social programming or ignore it altogether or even change it. Um, so I'm, I'm actually curious, actually, that, that raises a question of, of you know, uh, based on your sort of life experience, um, how do you change social programming, especially as somebody who, you know, in a lot of ways, completely ignored it, like dropping out of high school is really very much ignoring a social program. Yeah, I mean, so that's a, that's a great question. I, so I think it's, so I'm going to take this a little bit kind of out in space a little bit, and then I'll bring it back down. So one thing that's been very, very interesting for me that I've been looking into and studying, because I'm doing a lot more hiring, I'm doing a lot more interviewing, I'm connecting with a lot more people, I'm needing to size people up quickly. So I'm reading the literature on it, I'm getting to know people um, and what they do and how they act. And, and a couple things that I've come across lately have been very interesting. I've also been doing some athletic training. Um, and one thing that's very, very interesting is, you know, you think or presume that other people think the same way you do, right? And they kind of do, right, to some extent. But, but actually, people are having very different internal experiences all the time. And Myers-Briggs actually does a decent job of capturing this. People say it's not 
fully scientifically vetted. These two, you know, these two women, I think they're like sisters or mother and daughter or some such just came up with it based on Jung. Uh, but like it, like yeah, people look at it and go, actually, it's pretty accurate. And a lot of organizations do uh, the Myers Briggs type indicator to see, like, hey, what are we dealing with? One of the most interesting things in Myers Briggs, and they've seen this in a bunch of other fields, the amount that you're in your kind of your mental head or you're perceiving out into the world, and the amount that you're in your body versus in your mind, kind of, and, and like, pardon me if I'm a little out in space, but we'll try not to, actually varies from person to person, right? So like. Um, you know, a classical example of this would be like, take the famous mathematician, Paul Erdős, like wrote more math papers than anyone in history. Amazing guy, hero of mine. Um, he was like, totally had that like nutty professor, like is wearing his right shoe on his left foot stereotype about him. And it was like totally true. Like he couldn't open a carton of juice correctly. There's stories of his friends of him mangling a carton of juice because he was so in his own head. Like he wasn't like his relative emphasis and perception on what his hands are doing was lower than it is for most people. And, you know, I would, I would say to the listeners here, probably some people are listening when they're in the gym, probably some people are commuting. Um, some percentage of people are like listening and they're like drilled into this and it's percolating thoughts. They're thinking about their childhood. They're thinking about like, where am I doing? What am I doing? And like those people might be noticing less, like what posters are on the wall in the gym? Like what color is the ceiling? Some people notice those details and just like are locked into all of them. And they have a really like they're perceiving a lot they're taking in a lot from the environment and some people are like really in their own head and dealing with a lot of abstractions likewise i think there's also some genetic tendency that you can train against for like levels of how much approval you need and how painful it is to get rejected i think it varies from person to person training can get you over it and it can change you but i think it's actually really good to understand your baseline just like we all have slightly different body types some people are naturally very skinny that's like great and their friends envy them they can eat junk food and not get fat but maybe they have a hard time putting on muscle right some people have a, a you know a little slower metabolism maybe they lift weights they put on a lot of muscle and that's great for them. They don't watch what they eat. They get heavy, right? Likewise, you know, I think we have all, uh, some innate baselines, mix of genetics and culture, um, as to how much rejection hurts, how much are you in your own head and how much are you out in the world? And I think people, this is like, I'm pretty sure this is true from everything I look at. I think people that are out in the world more, they notice their surroundings more they notice what other people think more. Uh, they notice how other people are dressed versus not paying attention to it, like a stereotypical nerd or a stereotypical geek or, or, you know, and I'm a nerd and a geek, so I'm into all that, you know. But, like, those people that are, are, are noticing out in the world, how are other people dressed? How are other people groomed? Are they happy or not, right? Um, I think are more sensitive uh, to getting rejected twice. First, because they notice disapproval more, and they're, like, out there looking at the world to figure out what's going on, right? And second because they haven't built up as much of an inner world of like, I got this idea for a business and I'm like pretty sure it's good and there's like a need for it and like other people don't see it, but I see it in my head, right? And when you have that, it doesn't exist. And you know, you got parents that are very practical and you're like, mom and dad, I have an idea for a business. I'm going to do this thing with like a podcast and a conference. And they're like, what are you talking about? What is, well, like, like, get a, get a, get a, please get a medical degree. Please get, become an MD, please. <laughs> you know, like, right? like, like hang it. You can't hang this and put it on the wall, what you're talking about. And I can't see it. And like, I know what a doctor looks like. And you don't, and this doesn't look like a doctor. To me, right. So, you know, I think people that are, they're naturally, naturally, weirdly, the people that are naturally less in their own heads have a harder time breaking uh, from conforming, you know, they notice more, like if they're sitting on the floor of a rundown place, they're like, I'm a failure. Look at this room I'm in. You know, I'm in a ratty rundown, terrible room. I have no money. My clothes are turning into rags. I'm a failure. Whereas like the mathematician, the Paul Erdish is like, I've got this math that I'm working on. It's beautiful. Or the, you know, the nascent entrepreneur is like, I got this idea. Or the artist is like, man, I could, I can just get this, this what I have in my head on the, on, on the canvas that I'm trying to paint. You know, th that gives you a lot more, um, ability to, to, to kind of persevere and to keep faith and hope though at the end of the day, it is skills and training and systems and stuff. Anybody can move in whatever direction they want. It just might be a different challenge. It might be a little harder, or a little easier. Okay. We'll talk about the skills training and systems piece. Cause I, you know, that now I'm, I'm starting to sort of have flashbacks to our last conversation about this. But before we get there, um, I want to ask about um, dropping out of high school and kind of how that has formed your views on education and what you think as somebody who has done work related to education, like what does the future of education look like in your mind? Ah, man. Um, well, okay. So, I mean, I actually work with some people at universities. We have a wonderful uh, partnership that's going into the, the third year now with the University of Chicago. So we're actually running an entrepreneurship uh, 
two and a half weeks live, summer.givegetwin.com. People can check it out. It's 100% free if you're selected. It's pretty competitive. We get a few hundred people applying, and we, we, we take the top 20, and it's pretty intense. So don't feel bad if you don't get in. Like A lot of really good people apply, but it's pretty neat. And so we go and we run some programming at UChicago. The whole thing is live at UChicago. It's free to attend, but like we take like it's pretty selective as just math would say. Um, I talk with people at universities and I talk with, uh, uh, you know, some departmental heads and sometimes we work with head of entrepreneurship or whatever. The Polsky exchange at UChicago is wonderful. They're the most wonderful people in the world. UChicago really gets it and it's really dialed in. Um, the idea of like classical liberal arts without career outcomes is now rapidly becoming unpalatable to, uh, really to parents more than anything, I would say. Right. So you see in the U.S. news and world rankings for colleges, schools that have tech programs and that get people in a really great job are going up the rankings. Um, and that's UChicago, MIT, Stanford are just going up fast. And I won't name names, but you could look it up. Uh, places that are not necessarily generating career outcomes are going down. Now, some people in education think, well, that's that's terrible. Like we should just just should be an institution of learning. This is not a vocational school. And that's one point of view. Another point of view is like, well, that's what people want. Like we better make sure that they can do something after college. Cause you know, if you get a degree in economics, but then you're working at Starbucks and like, you know, you don't want to be working at Starbucks. I'm not hating on anyone working at Starbucks. That's great. You know, but it's like, that's not what you wanted to do. Um, you know, a lot of people get really unhappy. They feel like, oh, I've been a little bit misled by society. As for dropping out of high school. Ah, yeah, I mean, that was so long ago. I don't even really identify with it anymore. I mean, I was, um, I got bored. Mm-hmm. I got bored. I was a, uh, I was a straight A student when I paid attention and I was just bored. I would like figure this stuff out. You know, like, this is boring. Um, and you know, so like I did pretty well in school and, and extracurriculars when I cared. And then I was, this is just boring. And I would go to the university computer lab and screw around on computers. And I would like dress up a little bit. So I look like a university student. I thought I was being all sneaky and like nobody cares. Like that's the funniest thing. Right. So I go to university and I go to computer lab, like, Oh, I hope they don't know that I'm a high school student. And, and I just sit down and mess around on computers. And, and this is, you know, back when, you know, what was this like 15, 16 years ago? So like, this is like, this is when, you know, if you had like good internet, not dial up, like, you know, I was always trying to get those like free AOL discs that they would email <laughs> you and just yeah. like, I don't have any money. I didn't have a debit card. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, just like trying, I was like, oh man, those discs were like, oh man, I want to get on the internet. And then, you know, my folks would be like, why are you screwing up the phone line? And, you know, like after a while they let me have my own phone line, which was really cool. So I mean, I could run the internet, right? Which is like, you know, like AOL six and stuff. And yeah, it was back in the day, the Dell computer. Um, you know, this is like way before like the internet, internet, internet. This is like, I don't think Wi-Fi existed at that point. It might've, but like nobody had it if it did. I'm pretty sure it didn't. Like laptops were rare, mm-hmm. right? So you know, it was like right around that time. And I was like, man, computers are cool. I go to the cafe and like kids don't do tobacco. Tobacco is the worst thing on the planet, but I'd smoke cigarettes and play chess. Quitting cigarettes was really hard. Don't ever, ever smoke. It's not <laughs> cool. It's terrible. It'll kill you. But I'd like smoke cigarettes and play chess. And I thought I was cool. Um, and it wasn't cool. I was an idiot, but like, I thought it was cool. Um, and so like I was into chess and conversations and like computers and like, like I understood algebra pretty quickly and I was bored. Uh, so I left um, I think you're seeing a lot more outlets. I think you're seeing a lot more outlets for people that, that want to do that. I think the internet's actually a godsend because you can uh, self-learn and there's nothing stopping you if you're a high school student from setting up your own blog or starting to do your own projects. You can go on a deviant art and upload visual art. Uh, you could start a podcast relatively trivially and upload it. Like, it'll probably be bad, but that's okay. Everything's Everybody's first everything is bad and you just take it down later when you make a better thing. Uh, you know, you go on YouTube and just record what you're doing. Like, I mean, like, that's so amazing that people can actually do meaningful things. And there's not gatekeepers and they're not like, yeah, just show me the degree. And, you know, that means that you showed up for four years in a row um, and we'll hire you. And then we'll make a six month bet on training you. And you won't actually be productive or profitable for our company for six months, but we figure we'll have you for like five years. So we'll like train you on the job after you've shown that you can like be there for four years in a row and keep getting it done. I think that's changing. I think the biggest thing that's there but not there is people don't realize all the resources. People don't realize all the resources that are there for them. Most universities now, at least a lot of them that I've seen, actually have really cool things happening on campus that you can go to. There's always a few cool clubs. There's always a few cool hackathons and entrepreneurship programs. And like breaks my heart. There's things like Startup Weekend. It breaks my heart that people don't know about these and don't go to them. Just like go and see if you like it. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody should try out a few different sports enough to see if they click with them. Everybody should just play around with some circuits and Arduino boards. And like everybody should try to write a few lines of code and everybody should try a couple 
rounds of public speaking. And then whichever ones click, you can like go learn those in real time. It's never been easier. It's so easy. But people like, like, unless you get a mentor, and that's how it works out for most people, a really great professor or one of your parents is really into like, hey, look, you got to always be responsible for your own education and be trying things and whatever, or like a really cool uncle or an older brother or sister, you know, in the absence of that, people just don't realize that they can just like learn things and do things. It's never been easier uh, to learn anything you want and connect with anyone you want. And there's so many great things out there. Um, but like, I think our generation will raise our kids better and expose them to a ton of stuff because like we went through it and we know how to do it. But like, I still think for 10, 15 more years, um, you know, sometimes there's just people aren't, aren't getting guidance from the people in the generation uh, above ours that like, you can learn all this stuff. It's amazing. You can produce whatever you want, but like, get on it, please. Mm. Wow. So tell me uh, about the sort of trajectory of your career, kind of, you know, leaving college to doing everything that you've done today. Like what have been the most sort of significant inflection points and, and what have you learned from each one of them? Great question. So I mean, I've done so many different things. If I was to pick the one, like I would narrow down on one of them that might be like very informative. So it's not just like a bunch of random data points. Um, writing is one that I'm now like loving where I'm at as a writer. I now write to the math, a couple hundred thousand words a year while running a company and a pretty innovative nonprofit and like don't have much of a social life, but some semblance of one and like keeping healthy. Um, I think writing might not be a bad comp is for a long time, like you, Srini, I wanted to be a writer. I thought writing was really cool. I thought it was really important. Um, but I was only able to write for a long time and I was inspired mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to write methodically. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then. 
right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. I don't know. Did you experience this? Why didn't you write for a long oh, yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, it's, it's so funny because, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a perfect setup for what I want to spend a lot of time talking about, which is systems and, and sort of structure and looking at sort of what you learn from science. But yeah, I mean, a big part of it was this idea of being inspired. It was sporadic. Um, I also didn't, you know, I, I think part of it was not having an outlet necessarily. The fact that, you know, suddenly I had a blog and could publish the thoughts made a big difference. Um, as opposed to, you know, doing it in a vacuum, like when I was doing it in a vacuum, what was interesting is I would have these sort of bursts where, you know, right after college, I wrote a 63 page, you know, single spaced autobiography in eight days. Um, and, yep. but there's nothing I could do with that. When I got fired from my first job, I wrote a 20 page story about the experience of working at that job. And, you know, uh, as tempted as I was to publish, public, you know, submit it to the San Jose Mercury News, I thought there are a lot of other people who work there. This might actually be bad for them if I did that. Uh, so out of, you know, respect for the people who work there, I resisted submitting it, but I, I'm sure I have it somewhere in all my files. Yeah, I bet that'd be a riot to go back and, and skim and, and see how far you've come. But yeah, no, it's the same way. You know, Nietzsche uh, wrote uh, Thus Big Zarathustra and three one-day bursts, just like manic bursts, mm-hmm. just three 24-hour periods. So yeah, that that inspired burst thing is um, was the same. I was able to do that, and it didn't get published, and it didn't, it didn't aggregate. Aggregation is something I think about all the time, which is, you know, a, a friend of mine, a Jewish guy, he puts it, uh, he, he says, don't tell me how hard you work, tell me what you've got to show for it. Mm-hmm right? Which is kind of about aggregation. And for me, for a long time, I would get an inspired burst and I would work really hard on something. But like, man, my dead file of stuff that's 80 to 95% complete on writing just kept going up every single year. Mm -hmm. And like, that was really bad. Like just that would never add up to anything, right? And I think that's a problem that a lot of people have when they're getting into creativity is like, all right, like I started blogging. And when I made a commitment to writing every single day on my blog, and I did that for literally every single day for, I don't know, three, four years, and like, yeah, eventually, like you just get better. Um, even then, I, w- I didn't know how to improve the quality. That was just kind of like, I will write something. And I forced myself to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to write like essays that I was proud of or, or, or books reliably in that time period. Um, sometimes it'd be good. And I'd be like, why'd that happen? Man, I, I should start feeling like that again next time. Is it the cafe I was at? Go to Sam Cafe? Nope. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people that are um, – more creative driven, even, even if they're entrepreneurs, like there's some entrepreneurs that approach entrepreneurship kind of like a engineer or like an accountant. And I say that in the most glowing, uh, respectful, like, I think it's great. It's a pretty reliable way to succeed when you just like put blocks down. But for the people that like approach things more like, I can like, let me just like find the magic here. Where's the thread? Like, how do I really get inspired and get in the zone? Um, yeah, it's very easy to not be inspired and just to just to grind to a halt and, and, and have everything die. Um, and that really sucks. And that was me for years. That was me for years before I started writing every day. Even then, I couldn't reliably produce anything good, mm-hmm. which like that kind of sucks when you're doing that for years. And after a while, you know, some of my, my things went, went front page on Hacker News um, and other sites. And I got on things like Boing Boing and Lifehacker. And these were like some of the biggest sites on the Internet at that point. Um, this is before Facebook and Twitter were as big as they are, and it was there were still these big aggregations that were so important. And and sometimes a hundred thousand people would check it out, but I didn't know what to do with that. Like it didn't really ever lead to anything. You know, it was cool. Like I'd, I'd meet some people, it was neat. Mm-hmm. But you know, two three years in, it was like happening. But like, yeah, right. And you know, making the shift to you know, I guess what's Pressfield called going pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a game changer when you can do that, and then when you start to be able to not lose the magic. The magic is great. If if you, if you want to make magic, if you've got that like Walt Disney characteristic about you, the ability to keep it, and you've definitely got the screening. I see the magic, the elements of the magic all over the place. I believe Mars Dorian is a, is a mutual friend of ours. I believe yep. he's your illustrator. Right? Yeah, he's a very he unique style. He's got the magic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he doesn't do the album covers, but a good amount. Any, any special project, Mars is pretty much a go-to guy. Mars is a wonderful guy, and yeah. he's got the magic. He's like got the magic, right? So like once you can have the magic systematically uh-huh. and you can improve your technique and your craft and your production without losing the spark keeping the magic 
you could do some special things. Okay. Well, I, I think that makes a perfect setup. It's, it's almost a bizarre coincidence that this is what we're talking about because this morning as I was writing, um, working on my second book and I suddenly had an idea for a medium post cause I'd been stuck. I hadn't had anything, you know, in terms of an idea for a medium post for two weeks. I was like, this is annoying. And then I, I came to this realization. I said, Oh my God, I'm like having a system is essential for creative output of any kind. Um, without a system, you're basically shooting in the dark. Um, so I'm Dang. curious, um, so what I want to look at this is through a couple of lenses, you know, you said that you were writing without getting any better. Um, but then you sort of systematically stumbled upon, you know, you figured out how to systematize magic. Um, so I, I'm curious kind of how that sort of scientist background, your interest in science has applied to all of this and dissecting it and how you've developed your own systems, um, for creativity and output. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I could come at this from a few different places. Well, let's come at it from the abstract and then get really concrete. So uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy named Bob Posen. He wrote a book called Extreme Productivity. And mm -hmm. Posen uh, is a professor at Harvard Business School. And after the financial crash, he rewrote a bunch of securities law. He's a lawyer. And I think he was the head of Fidelity Investments for a while, which is unusual for a lawyer to be become the head of a company or he was at least very important there um and, and he did a ton of things in extreme productivity he like just listed out like here's the mechanics of writing well and he suggests i'd already been working for a long time to try to improve craft but posing was kind of like the last piece that i needed mm -hmm. um he says break your writing into three um into three or to four separate steps where you do a brainstorming an outlining a writing and an editing revising and you don't intermix them. So you just reliably do it. Now, if somebody was to read the book, I recommend it. It's great. Um, here's what I tell everybody that I recommend this to, is you will get slower and be worse at writing and less creative, and it'll be frustrating for between 20 and 100 hours. Mm -hmm. So like, that's the downside. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like somebody with bad mechanics at baseball with like great athletic ability like, would be better if they were like swinging the bat in a more correct way. But like you're making an unconscious process. Conscious always makes you worse and self-conscious and it's bad for a while. So like you get a little worse to get better. So it's hard work to switch over to it. But when you can reliably say, okay, uh, you know, what are the range of topics that I want to cover uh, potentially in this piece? What do I really want to say? And there's a number of ways you could do it. You know, if you're, if you're writing very creative driven, you could look for a, like a hook or a story or something and then say, okay, and like, if it's nonfiction and you want the person to, to be able to get a lesson, okay, what's the lesson? What's the takeaway? What's the gestalt? Or you could just list out a bunch of unrelated things um, and just see, okay, which of these kind of fit or not, and then kind of put them in a structure. And then you write and you edit, and those are both skills that can be developed. Likewise, uh, writing has a bunch of skills involved, right? So there's the quality of your sentences. There's the cadence of them. There's your word choices. Um, and, I, and I contend this is true in, in just about every field. Every field that I've looked into there's always these like micro skills that if you look at the people that are really killing it, that are improving their craft all the time, there's always something, right? So I did a little bit of fencing at one point, you know, with like swords, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't call them swords and fencing. It's kind of gauche, but like swords. Uh, and like it's all footwork and like little tiny finger movements. It's not these like big like pirates swinging a sword around thing. It's very like subtle, right? So you can work on exactly how you move your back foot and then your front foot on a retreat for like a little half of a step. And you can just like work on that for three hours um, and get a little bit better. And I see this as true in all sports and I see this as true in entrepreneurship where you can like look at your financials and you can look at like the messaging of your offer and you can like look at your price points and you can look at the delivery and the customer service and you can take it apart. And I think a lot of times creative people resist doing this because their intuition is so good, right? And their creativity and their magic is so good that sometimes it outputs something really, really great and then it's uncomfortable to go into a zone of ambiguity and unpleasantness and I don't know what the heck that I'm doing, um, which when you're learning the method of analytically breaking things up, right, to do them sequentially or to work on them in pieces, uh, it, it's just unpleasant um, until you learn it and then you know, be able to trust and, and have confidence in that process. Once you do, it's actually very freeing and very liberating where you can say like, all right, like this doesn't open strong enough. Like it just takes too long to get to the main point. You know, is this like written poorly on a technical level or is this just like a bad story mm -hmm. when I reread it? Do I need to rip this out and do something else? So once you have that mechanics level of understanding, it's similar to like, you know, a boxer that learned not through training, but just like kind of figured it out. Like the coach can say like, hey, you're lifting your foot in the wrong order. You're going to get knocked out. 
right? But he or she doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. It was interesting when <clears throat> when you're saying that. I was thinking about um, snowboarding. A, a friend of mine who's a, you know an avid snowboarder was just here at my my apartment uh, on Saturday night, and I was telling him, I said, you know, I there's one thing that I have yet to be able to do and it's hit jumps, you know, and I'm, I'm at a point where I'm 38, so I'm not going to be doing 50, 50 foot jumps because if I break a bone, <laughs> I'm not going to heal. Um, but I asked him, I said, what's the key? And I said, and, and where do people, you know, go wrong? He said, well, here's the thing. He said, you know, people who try to hit jumps initially on snowboards, what happens is that the minute they are in the air, their whole body posture changes, which causes them to eat shit. And I was like, so you're telling me that I'm going to have to eat shit a few times. He said, probably. But he said, what happens is at a certain point, you learn not to freak out when you're in the air and you just land. Huh? Makes sense. Yeah. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, That's a great metaphor for technique improvement. You get on a new technique, uh right? And then you're like, duh, I can't handle this. And so you like wipe out. Yeah. But like, yeah, you just try it. Try it. Like if a lot of professionals use that in your field and there's probably something there, then just like schedule one month of practicing on it. Mm-hmm. I, sk- I gave myself a month of training on that, mm-hmm. uh, on that method, which I was pretty sure was correct. Um, and I also said when I, I stopped writing for a while to like try to get better, I don't necessarily recommend this, but I've been doing it for a long time. Um, and I said I wasn't going to start re-releasing until I had a two-month backlog. So I write an essay every week at the Strategic Review. People really like it. Um, and I said I was going to wait till I had eight of them to get started. So then I had eight weeks. That's the most tactical piece of feedback that I have for people that are creative, which is have backlog mm-hmm. so you can have three bad weeks in a row and not wipe out, right? Like just, yeah. you, you know, you just can't. You just can't. Some days you just can't make something great before tomorrow just not always possible um (laughs) and having backlog just is like it's such a sanity quality of life enhancer and like i look for two months yeah um and that means i can have a bad five weeks in a row and be okay which is great which is great because i I never have a bad two months in a row do you know what i mean like (laughs) crazy three weeks followed by two weeks of healing followed by okay i got three weeks to build the backlog back up yeah you know the the other thing I was thinking about in terms of system is is, is kind of how they free sort of the the, unco- the the conscious mind to actually do work because you know if you're all your effort is focused on the process itself um, of of trying to figure out how am I going to sit down and write how much am I going to write um, you know whatever I mean and we're just using writing as as the the sort of context for this example but if you're if you're having to think about every one of those things every day. That's like, you know, cognitive bandwidth being directed towards, you know, probably the lowest value things that occur out of your creative output, um, as opposed to, you know, saying that all of this stuff is predetermined, like what time, how much, you know, for how long, basically what you're freed up to do then is actually come up with real insight is sort of the, the revelation that I had this morning. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of the, the story of Buridan's ass, ass like donkey, Buridan's donkey? No. So this is, it's like an old, it's like, I think it's the Aesop fable. It's really old. Uh, it's like this donkey that is very, very thirsty and very, very hungry, but equally thirsty and hungry. And he is exactly halfway between a pail of water on his left and some hay to eat on his right. And because he's exactly halfway, he turns to one, but then he wants the other one just as much. He looks at the hay, but like, no, but I want the water and turns back and just keeps doing that and then dies of hunger and thirst. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of creative people do that because they have too many things going on and they're not like, today I'm just doing X. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, all right, I'm doing X. Like I'm waking up and I'm spending three hours on my writing. Could be word count, could be hours. I've seen people use both. And then you just sit there and you do that until it's done uh, and or you suffer, but you don't do anything else, right? (laughs) Right. And you just do that and that's it. And then then you succeed. And like that, product like publication schedule production schedule whatever and backlog and you're good that's it that's the game yeah it's uh, you know i i wrote this piece the other day uh that that i haven't published yet titled simple but not sexy and that's exactly what that is it's simple but not sexy you know and i think often people you know in my mind when people are looking for something sexy it's just a form of resistance it's kind of like okay you know you listen to people in a writer's workshop and they'll ask a dozen questions that have nothing to do with writing and you're like, none of those things are going to make the difference that you actually sitting down and writing will. Yeah, I got something neat for you that maybe, maybe your listeners will like. I just finished uh, a book on audio, and it was, it was pretty good. I think if you do the first three, four chapters, you, you got the idea. The rest of it, it's fine, but like three chapters is enough, which was how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. It's about endurance sports. 
And this guy's big idea, he's a sports psychologist, this guy's big idea is that perception of effort and the ability to produce more effort when you think you can't and like produce through pain is what makes a good endurance athlete. Because he did a, he studied a bunch of studies and such, and nobody produces like near their body's limit at any given time. And an elite, elite, elite athlete might get 85 or 90% uh, of their body, but they always have more, mm-hmm. right? And there's a bunch of examples of this. One of the things that was really just game-changing once I went through this and started applying it is challenging myself of like, all right, if I used to be only able to write when I'm inspired, can I write when I'm feeling only pretty good, Right? Then can I write when I'm feeling exactly neutral? And then can I write when I'm feeling a little slightly bad? Right? And just challenging myself to like, how do I produce? And like learning. And I actually think, I actually think it's a skill to be able to produce when you're not feeling that great. And it's a skill that has like different mechanics, right? It'd be kind of like, you know, if you, uh, if you got a little bit of an injury in a sport where you can kind of play around it, you might not be able to do the same moves, right? The same thing when you're inspired and, and you hit flow state and, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of when the skill meets the difficulty level exactly is, is the, you know, Mihaly's, you know, kind of definition of flow state and it's mm-hmm. time disappears. Like that's great. And that's easy. Right. And then like, then getting to being able to produce when you're neutral, like that's pretty cool. If you can like make progress when you're neutral, then if you can like get up, be in a bad mood, be a little bit sick, be a little bit uncreative and be like, all right, what do I need to do? Like, I need to, like, write an opening to this. Okay. And, like, what Hemingway say, right? One true sentence, right? Yeah. Um, I think Hemingway said that. But, like, you know, that ability to train. And I do see it as training, mental training, like, practice mm-hmm. to produce when you're not feeling great. And it's, like, a commitment. It's not, like, tomorrow this will work. It's, like, give it a month. Give it three months. And then, you like, you know, you're going you're to get a month older in the next month anyways, right? So, like, if this is important to you and this is making a cold call, this is developing your product. This is programming an open source thing. This is building a business. This is painting. This is writing. This is kind of everything. Um, because like, Hey, like our moods are kind of distributed, right? And we have kind of like a bell curve of moods. Most of the time we're going to be feeling like mostly about average and half the time we're going to be feeling a little below our average. Right. So like the ability to produce when you're like, say from your 20% and up, which means like five, six days a week, you're able to produce something pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool when you can get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, having been exposed to sort of the the wide array of people that you've been exposed to and sort of the length of time that you've, you know, um, had all these different entrepreneurial endeavors, uh, I am curious why we see such a vast gap in performance and results from people and, and, you know, what accounts for that? And more importantly, how do you change it? Yeah, it's interesting. You, you want to get a little more specific? You want to give me like a couple of examples of people? Well, I, or like, I guess like the, the sort of... Anonymize them. Let's not call them out. No, let's not call anybody about, out. But I mean, I, I think really what I'm, I'm alluding to is sort of the vicious cycle of personal development where people, you know, make all these efforts but don't get any results. And then you've got this like one group of people who just produces astound, astounding results. Um, and, and like trying to answer that question has, has, you know, like kept me, um, searching for it for the better part of a a year or so. I got a boring, unsexy answer for you if you want it. I do. (laughs) Uh, I, I think most people first off don't do enough planning. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, the simplest version, uh, of a weekly review is three questions. So what's really going on? One, or one, what's really going on? Two, so what do I do about it? Three, what matters, what doesn't? Mm-hmm. And if things are going swimmingly, those questions are, are you know, what's really going on? You know, really, I like the word really in there, what's really going on? So you're like honest with yourself of like, yeah, I'm working a job I don't really like. I'm kind of burning out and I wish I was doing X. Okay, so what do I do about it? Second question, right? Like, man, I really need to like either start taking my more more seriously or change jobs or X, whatever. And then what matters semicolon what doesn't um i think that goes a long way because i think the first thing is that people don't necessarily keep their eyes on what's really really important if you sit and at the best level of your ability you can say x is important to me i don't have a good enough social circle i don't have good enough mentors i don't have good enough friends i gotta go meet more people okay maybe that's the most important thing like i'm doing like mediocre quality work in a field that's important to me but like it's just not good enough like i need to improve my craft okay that's the most important thing like i want to uh build a business but i don't know i know i want to build a business but i don't know what field okay like you got to go check out markets and like see what problems you could solve and get to know the people in different fields and see which one you want to you know make a go of it in Right. So like knowing what's most important and I I think you need to do this at least weekly, but I mean, 
really, I mean, monthly, quarterly. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but like some people go years without like asking what's really important. Then I think you need to do what's important every single day for at least 10 minutes. That's actually my bar, 10 minutes. I don't think projects fail. I don't think people don't build a business uh, or don't make art because they um, you know, should have put in 100 hours this week and only put in 30. Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens. I think people put things on the shelf. Uh, or they say, I'll get around to it. And it's like, get around to it right now. <laughs> you know, Go put 10 minutes in. Um, I think the eventual target you want to hit is at least uh, two hours in the morning of, of like most important maker important work. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another two hours in the afternoon, that's only four hours. Any, everybody I know that does four hours on like whatever's most important every single day is very successful. Mm -hmm. And you replay weekly and sometimes you're wrong and you go down a rabbit hole and doesn't work or whatever. And that's, that's fine. That's part sure. of the game. But you know, if, as long as you do 10 minutes, you've got a placeholder in your life and things right. keep moving forward and you keep looking at it. It's when you take two weeks off, suddenly things are getting dusty. You're going to have to reorient to the problem space. You don't remember what you're going to do. If you reached out to some people, hey, you're kind of sort of interested in this, and you take two weeks to reply to them. They're not interested anymore. You know, you do 10 minutes, okay, what's most important? Man, I really should reply to that guy in this space. I wrote to him. He's very gracious to write back. I should reply. It's been two days, uh -huh. right? Uh, you put in your 10 minutes. I really think, I, I, I actually don't think it's possible for a person, um, you know, in a modern, you know, Western country that's like doing reasonably okay right like to put in 10 minutes a day on what's most important and repick what's most important and stick with that not like working hard but like most important uh, that will grow like if you just reliably do 10 minutes you'll you'll do more than 10 minutes really quickly and once you get up to a couple hours or more uh -huh. like you do that you're going to be pretty successful you're going to at least be more successful every single year than the year you were before if you're picking at all correctly what's most important which you can learn and improve at that too uh, and then putting the time in and, and people just get busy and don't do what's important and then they just don't get what they want. Mm. Wow. Well, um, I have to ask uh, about your reading habits because you've alluded to so many different books throughout our, our conversation and, and so many different people. Um, I'm curious, you know, if you, if you were to recommend a, a one book or a series of books that have profoundly influenced your life to our audience, what would they be? Musashi by Eiji Yoshikawa. Really easy. Musashi, okay. Yoshikawa. But the greatest swordsman in Japanese history, historical fiction, brilliant. Everyone should read it. Like, you're not allowed to be in my social circle if you don't get around to reading it pretty quickly. I'm like, everybody on Amazon right after this. Yeah, you got to read it. Well, otherwise, we can't do another one of these. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's so subtle and, 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 and wonderful. And, and, uh, you want to learn about quitting and toughness and harshness and, and like what happens when you're like a little bit of a bad person, how your life goes all the way down when you're stubborn versus not stubborn and like getting in your own way versus not. It's not going to give it a hundred pages. Some people don't love how it opens. Uh -huh. So give it like a hundred. Uh, I like how it opens and, and some people love it. Um, this has an extremely high rate of becoming the favorite book of people I know, people that are creative and driven um, because it's really about how to harness um, raw talent uh -huh. where you're really spinning your wheel getting in your own way. Um, and there's, there's these two characters that it starts on a, on a battlefield. They were on the losing side of a battle. I'm not ruining much. These two childhood friends, they were teenagers. They went to fight in a war and they wake up on the battlefield samurai era towards the end of the, the Japanese civil wars in the 1600s, uh, late 15s, 16, early 16s, I think. Um, and they, they wake up from it and, and you know, they like go different routes on actualizing their talent. You see how it plays out over their lifetimes. And it's like, wow. Like the mental models and the character study and the like, like the little tiny mistake that you didn't even notice somebody was making, like really biting them hard, like a hundred pages later. And it's like, yeah, that does happen in real life, doesn't it? Um, there's a lot of those. It's, it's incredible. It's, and it's, it's also Barber. It's like a ton of sword fighting and it's like a really great adventure story too. So it's not a, like a boring fight through a book. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Musashi by Eiji Yoshikawa. All right. We'll definitely add that to, uh, to our reading list for this month as well. Um, this has been mind-blowingly cool, as I expected it would be. Uh, so I have one last question, which I know I'm sure you've heard me ask. Um, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable. I think you want to never lose the spirit and the reason you got into it. Because there's a lot of details. There's a lot of technical points that sooner or later you need to master. Right, but I think you got to keep going back to that well, um, and 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 really try and want to do something special, and whether that's business or, or art or whatever. I, I think everybody, you know, 
has some kind of raison, you know, like some, some, some really like the, you know, like why you got into it in the first place, why you got so excited about it. And, and that can get lost and bogged down once you're having, you know, once you're actually having some success and you're working the mechanics. So I'm big on the systems and the mechanics and the habits and the discipline and all that and the craft. But then like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I on this podcast? Like, why am I writing? Like, why am I putting this thing up? Like, what's the point? And, and that's what gives you the fuel to keep getting better and to do more of it. And it's like, why am I writing this thing for medium? Mm-hmm. Why am I writing a book? Cause like things get hard and suck. Like, like being human is, is like, there's like a hard and sucking component of being human in everything, in everything, not, not just everything worthwhile. And like all the stuff that's not worthwhile too has a hard and sucking component. People just like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's a hard and sucking component and, 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 and like a lot of worthwhile things do have that too. And, and when you're like, Oh man, I don't really want to balance the accounting. You know, I got a story. Um, I think this is a true story. Maybe it's apocryphal, but I think it's true where I think it was president Lyndon B. Johnson went to NASA and he saw a guy that was like, the tidiest, fastest janitor he'd ever seen in America. This guy was just like cleaning, like precisely very focused in the moment, like almost like a, like a, a, a like an art form. And he says to him, uh, President Johnson, LBJ, says to this, this gentleman that's the janitor, is like, excuse me, I just noticed you're like working as hard as I've ever seen anybody work on that. And he looks at him and he says, I'm putting a man on the moon. And it's like, that's really cool. Like, that's really cool. So, like, when you need to do janitorial, right, when you need to sweep your own floor, when you need to sit down and do accounting, when you need to say, I got to get better at outlining, I need to produce on a schedule, I need to wake up earlier before work so I can do my creative work or whatever. Like, just, like, why am I doing this? And, like, connecting with that. Not all the time. Some people, like, think too much and, like, don't take enough action. But, like, once things are really moving – um, that's what'll give you the juice to work a little bit harder, to polish a little bit more, to improve your craft a little bit more, to put a little bit more time in, to promote what you're doing a little bit more, to get the word out, to just keep leveling up your game, to do a little bit more research, to refine your pitch a little more, to do another round of practice, to just keep putting in those reps, um, and just, just keep making things better and doing more of them, which is, is, is where really kind of special unmistakable things come from. Mm. Wow. Well, uh, I am really, really glad that we got a chance to uh, bring you back for round two because this has just been fantastic. Um, I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for coming back. This has been amazing. It's a pleasure. This is you're you're one of the most fantastic interviewers I know, and, and I know how much how hard you work. I know how hard you work behind the scenes. You're all casual and like we're hanging out and having a good time. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. I know, I know the amount of work that's going on unmistakably behind the scenes. Uh, and and it's, it's a joy. You're one of the best interviewers I know. And it's, it's always a pleasure to be here. And I still, I still get random emails and Twitter comments about the interview we did three years ago. Like, like it's never a couple more, more than a couple months passes before I hear from somebody that I don't know saying, dude, I checked this thing out by you were on and it's amazing. It's, Thanks, Rini. This is great. I I really appreciate that, and I I think that makes a fitting way for us to wrap up our conversation. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Next time on The Unmistakable Creative. There are a couple of realities that I think I've learned over the years, having worked with lots of adolescents who are at career decision points. Uh, One of the things I've learned is that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. That's number one. Uh, Number two, one of the most humbling experiences that I've had was actually working with the child of people who are experts in giving other people advice about how to parent their children. And I think that just illustrated to me how hard it is to parent and how hard it is to find the exact right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that a sincere conversation and an honest conversation uh, with a certain amount of, of seriousness about the serious implications, but also lightheartedness about the fact that in this day and age, any career that you're choosing up front is not necessarily the career that you're going to be stuck with. And I, I really believe that it's more about connecting with who you are and then manifesting that in a series of jobs that may or may not fulfill you and to tinker along with that process until you find something that truly resonates. Srini Pillay joins us to talk about the neuroscience of goals. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.